Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Hi friends, if you care about your teeth and the environment, both of which I care about deeply, then you're definitely going to want to listen to this week's episode because I'm sitting down with Dr. Simon Shard, who is an award-winning cosmetic dentist, founder of Zero Waste Oral Health brand Parlor, and host of the One Small Change podcast, the show that I recently had the pleasure of going on. And Simon and I have become great friends and he is super knowledgeable, as you might think, in the area of oral health and dentistry. And who knew that your oral health could be so important? Your um, mouth represents the top of your GI tract. And it's so important to get the health of that bacteria and the health of your gums optimized. Because you may or may not know this, but in actual fact, there's some bacteria that can live um, in your mouth that actually create heart disease. There are also bacteria that help you create more nitric oxide, which can actually help your blood vessels dilate and reduce blood pressure. So it's really, really important. And there's tons of things like this that you're going to learn on this week's podcast episode, including what to do if you've got sleep apnea and how to spot it, because it's actually very serious and needs um, treating. And more people struggle with this than are actually aware of it. So we dive into all of those things in this week's episode episode. And Simon and I also have a chat about his parlor toothpaste, which I've recently been trying and actually gives you, it delivers the optimal dose of toothpaste that you need. It's quite interesting. It's a little like chewable tablet. Um, it doesn't have any sulfates in it, which is amazing. So you don't get that drying on your mouth and lots of people, including those, for example, that are having treatment for cancer cannot use sulfates. And I think they're definitely something that's quite toxic that we want to stay away from as much as possible. So I've been really enjoying using Parler. You'll also hear why The evidence doesn't support the fact that fluoride is in fact bad for you in these small quantities um, and why Dr. Simon believes it's so important to oral health. And so this brand of toothpaste that he has co-founded is very sustainable. It's very eco-friendly, has zero waste and is completely plastic free because the toothpaste tubes that we have cannot be recycled because they're a mixture of different types of plastic. Um, So I found out all about this on this episode, talking to Dr. Simon. Really, really interesting. I think you're going to get so many insights from it. And you'll learn about how Simon's core values revolve around making the world a better place for the next generation, whether that's through reducing our impact on the environment, improving the relationship we have to our mental health, or even helping his patients regain their confidence through restoring their beautiful smiles. And he does create incredible transformations. If you check out... um, Dr. Shard on Instagram, you will see pictures of those transformations. And as a high profile dentist and entrepreneur, Dr. Simon has been featured in British GQ, Men's Health, Sky News, and most recently on Dragon's Den, where he originally pitched his brand parlor. So you're going to enjoy this. It's a great chat. It's a fun chat. Simon is both fun and inspiring. He has so much knowledge. And so without further delay, let me introduce you now to Dr. Simon Shard. 
So I'm absolutely thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Simon Shard, who is um, one of the co-founders of Parler. Um, I'm very excited by Parler. It's very new and um, it's a sustainable form of toothpaste. And actually, it doesn't have any sodium lauryl sulfate in it, which for many people, they struggle with that um, and actually want to stay away from it. And it's environmentally very, very friendly. So I think that's probably a good place to start because I know lots of people are very curious about what form of toothpaste they should be using, how much they should be using, how much they should be using for their children, and also whether um, fluoride in itself poses any kind of risk. So Simon, first of all, a very warm welcome to the show. Uh, it's great to have you here. Um, and let, let's kick off with Parler because it, it's so interesting and, and growing so quickly. Tell us more about why you started that company and a bit more about the toothpaste. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm, a, I'm a cosmetic dentist. I, I have, I'm still a practicing dentist and um, quite a high profile dentist within the industry. So I was chosen by brands like Oral-B to promote their, their toothpaste and their toothbrushes. And um, I was on their TV advert a few years ago. Um, and pretty much back in 2018, just after I had my first child, I was watching shows like uh, Planet Earth and I watched Planet o uh, Plastic Ocean on Netflix. And it made me acutely aware of the fact that although I was living my life in a very sustainable way, using reusable water bottles and uh, taking tote bags to the supermarket and, and trying to eat sustainably, um, actually what I was doing within my professional life was promoting products that didn't really align with that ethos. Um, so myself, uh, Dr. Rona Iskander, who's also a very high profile dentist in the industry, um, and Dr. Adash Stanky, who was sort of one of our business mentors, we got together and, and thought, what can we do to actually use our expertise as dentists um, to actually change the industry for the better, both for the planet, for animals, and even for the people that are using our products with regards to the ingredients um, how they're sourced, where they're sourced, how they're tested, etc. So that led us down a massive long rabbit hole, um, which which led to us creating Parlor, which is um, a toothpaste tablet brand. So in essence, what you have is a dehydrated toothpaste tablet uh, that you uh, you chew on for five to ten seconds. You then take water on your brush and you and you brush as normal. Um, so the actual process of brushing is exactly the same, but the form factor of the, of the toothpaste has been changed. And the beauty of that is it means that it can be kept in a reusable glass jar. Uh, the refills are sent out through um, the letterbox every four months, and you just refill uh, your jar, and the refills come in compostable plant-based bags. So it's a, it's a completely zero-waste solution. The shocking fact about toothpaste tubes is that they last on the planet for 500 years. So that means that... Uh, it's almost certain that every tube of toothpaste that anyone's ever used, including you and me, Anja, still exists somewhere on this planet, which is mad. We use these things for a maximum of a month. We throw them in the bin. We can't recycle them because they're made of mixed media plastic. So there's hard plastic and soft plastic all melded together. It's, full, it's got the remnants of toothpaste inside. And if you're going to recycle, it needs to be completely clean. So you've got this unrecyclable single-use object that everyone in the world is using every single day, hopefully twice a day. Um, and, and we've created a solution that actually um, means that that's no longer an issue, um, a real sort of closed loop, proper sustainable option. And everything in this product is sustainable. The lid is aluminium, the, the glass is obviously infinitely recyclable. The sticker is made of 
uh, recyclable material. The glue is is biodegradable. The ink is vegan and biodegradable. We really, from the ground up, built this as a truly sustainable option. Um, and then with regards to the ingredients, as you said, um, we were very keen to use our expertise to keep all the key ingredients in there so it was effective. And so the dentist would actually recommend this. And you, and you mentioned fluoride there. And I know fluoride is quite a contentious issue. I'm happy to talk more on that um, through today's discussion. But 99.9% of dentists will not recommend any toothpaste that doesn't contain fluoride. And the reason for that is that there's no evidence to suggest that it has any negative impact on human beings at the dose that it's prescribed. And that's the really important part. Um, but there's an incredible wealth of evidence to show that actually people who have fluoride-based toothpaste will see a substantial reduction in the amount of decay that they present with. Um, and it's very evident when you have a patient who you're maintaining for a long period of time uh, and suddenly they start developing massive amounts of decay on the same diet, that they've shifted to a fluoride-free toothpaste. Um, and that's anecdotal from my own experience as a dentist. Mm -hmm but also heavily, heavily supported in the literature. But there are ingredients that we don't think were necessary in toothpaste, i.e. we don't think there should be palm oil in toothpaste. We don't think our toothpaste should be tested on animals. Um, we don't think it should have sodium lauryl sulfate, which is a very, very harsh foaming agent that, the mouth is a very sensitive place. You don't want a really harsh foaming agent that strips the mucosa in there. Um, so that was de definitely one that we wanted to remove. And we wanted, basically the least amount of ingredients that achieve the outcomes of protecting people's dental health. So natural flavorings, no preservatives, thankfully, because there's no water in there, there's no need for a massive amount of preservatives as well, because when you have water, you need to keep it bacteria free. So you have to put preservatives in to, to balance that all out. Um, and being a tablet, we can give you the exact amount of dose. So for example, our Parlor Pro, which is our, our sort of slightly more premium range, um, has uh, vitamin um, B12 and vitamin E at your RDA, well, half your RDA, because you have two tablets a day as you brush in the morning and the evening. Uh, and that's actually absorbed through the mucosa, gets into the bloodstream, and there's some really great evidence now to show uh, that's a really effective way to actually get uh, those vitamins through the oral mucosa, which is a really exciting thing that we're developing on. That's really exciting. Have you thought about um, with the evening toothpaste of splitting it into a morning and evening where you could even include something like CBD to help people sleep, for example? Um, because the, the mouth is a really absorbable place, isn't I'm it? Def I'm, definitely not I'm definitely not allowed to talk about my NPD, my new, my new product development, but <laughs> everything, everything's on the table. Yeah, we're very, we're very interested in, um, in really expanding the ingredient-led um, uh, thought process around toothpaste and what we can do to, to grow that sector and, and bring more value to our customers. Yeah, amazing. And the fact that you don't need to mix it with water previously, like most toothpaste, um, and avoid those preservatives and also the sulfates is pretty amazing. Just gonna quickly interrupt today's show to tell you about my favorite, favorite supplement for reducing stress and anxiety. It is the original chill pill or nature's value. And I'm not talking about anything like cannabis or marijuana. 
I'm talking about magnesium. It's a completely underappreciated mineral that really helps to reduce stress hormones, enhance mental well-being, stimulate the production of GABA, and potentially even lift things like depression. And I absolutely love taking Bioptimizer's magnesium. I take two at night before bed, and I take another one in the morning, and it just helps me get a wonderful night's sleep pretty much every single night, which just makes you feel amazing. Barring, obviously, when my dog might wake me up or one of my children. Um, now, you can get a cool 10% off Bioptimizer's magnesium breakthrough by going to bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela10 at checkout. That's bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela10 at checkout. And then let me know how you get on because I'd love to hear about how it enhances your recovery from exercise, your sleep, and your kind of mood and anxiety levels. So that's bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and enter code Angela10 at checkout. Now let's get back to the podcast. Let's talk about fluoride because it is a hot topic for many people and they do, you know, many people are very concerned by it and whether or not it is neurotoxic. Um, Obviously, in some countries, it's added into drinking water, which is probably, you know, a step too far and not really necessary. Um, I think last time I checked, it isn't in the water that I drink, um, certainly in Surrey. Um, But what are your feelings around fluoride and how do we get, I know you and I were talking before the show about how children sometimes who kind of suck on toothpaste a little bit can end up with white spots on their teeth. Um, where, Where are the boundaries with fluoride in terms of it being safe and how much we can use and how necessary really it is for teeth. Because you mentioned there that quite interesting that you see people who have stopped using fluoride and actually they do then encounter problems with their teeth when they haven't changed their diet at all. Over, over what kind of period have you seen that? Well, I think the, the first place to start is dental decay is the most common disease in the world right. still today wow. in 2021. Um, and it's also the number one cause of children being hospitalized in this country. And the general anesthetic lists for kids being sent to hospital to have their teeth pulled out under general anesthetic is astronomical, given that we are living in the UK. So dental decay is still a massive problem. It's not something that is historic that has been solved. It is very much an acute day-to-day problem that causes a lot of people really bad agony. To anyone who's had toothache knows how painful it is. Um, But also leads to to many other things. And we talked a bit about earlier before the call on links between systemic uh, dental disease and and systemic diseases, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. So the first thing to say is that dental decay is a really acute problem that is still ongoing for a lot of people in this world. And the key thing for me with kids is to making sure they don't develop dental anxiety when they get older because it just leads to so many more problems. So them having their teeth taken out in a general anesthetic or gas and air or whatever it is, is not a good start for their dental lives. Now, the key thing for me with fluoride is dose. At very, very high doses, fluoride will definitely be toxic. Um, in the same way that at very high, if you have 25 bananas, you will die from a potassium overload. Um, anything at the wrong dose can be dangerous for you. Um, the dose that fluoride is prescribed in in toothpaste is 
clinically effective for reducing decay, but it's at a lower enough level that it is non-toxic to the body, in my opinion, based on the studies and the literature that I have got extensive knowledge of. Uh, so that's my position on it. That's why we've included fluoride in our toothpaste. Number one, because we know that dentists will never recommend it if it's not in there. And number two, because it's what I give to my kids and it's what I use myself. And I, as you know, for me, I'm very, very acutely aware of what I put into my body. I am, I like to think at least I'm on the cutting edge of, of having as much knowledge as I can gain on, on what's going to be clinically effective for me to improve the way I function, to improve my lifespan, my health span, et cetera. Um, but uh, fluoride for me is a non-negotiable with regards to toothpaste and that it has to be in there because I don't want to have cavities. I'm a wuss when it comes to going to the dentist. I don't want to have fillings. <laughs> I don't want to have root canals. Um, and the further you go down that chain, the, the, more, uh, the more unpleasant the whole process becomes. So that's my position on fluoride. Um, with regards to the white spots thing, um, the fluoride dosage for kids is reduced. Um, and so they, they shouldn't be having a high dose of fluoride. Um, and again, it's one of the reasons why putting things into a tablet form, we think has many, many benefits, um, to reduce the amount of unnecessary fluoride intake people have, because no one knows how much toothpaste to put on their toothbrush mm -hmm. for their kids or for themselves. People have got no idea because we've all been indoctrinated by the Aquafresh adverts in 1984 of them putting 3000 lines of toothpaste on just so that they can sell more toothpaste. Um, and so we don't, we, no one really knows how much toothpaste to use. So that was one of the things that we really liked about the tablet format was that we can tell you how much you need. And, and in that way, you can have just exactly the right, right the, exactly the right dose, um, which is safe and effective. Safe and effective. And yeah, so the, it's interesting because with fluoride, it's protecting the teeth and getting rid of um, a certain level of bacteria right, that can cause gum disease and also other health problems. Is what you're saying then, it's not just, there's, there are two issues at play. It's not just that it can cause problems with your teeth, it can cause gum disease. We were talking earlier um, before the show about this link between some of the chronic diseases. If we then come across that with fluoride-free um, toothpaste, it, does the scientific literature show that actually these diseases can be more prevalent? Because it's, it's presumably quite a hard thing to study because people who are using fluoride-free toothpaste more often than not will be taking other steps in their lifestyle to be healthier individuals, which may offset some of that risk. Um, but do you yeah, feel yeah, that absolutely. it's protecting against certain very harmful bacteria that can, can occur? No, fluoride, fluoride is less effective against gum disease. Fluoride is more effective against dental decay. Gum okay. disease is more often than not caused by plaque, so by bacterial buildup uh, at the gum line, which leads to an inflammatory reaction by the body against that plaque. But it's, it's an over-the-top reaction that actually leads to the bone being eaten away as well. So actually brushing your teeth at all, well and flossing, and all of those sort of things, that's what's more effective against gum disease. There's certain ingredients that you can incorporate which are effective against gum disease, but fluoride itself is more effective at actually strengthening the teeth, reducing the impact of acid and bacteria on leading to dental decay. So think about fluoride more as a decay preventative ingredient. Okay. And how you brush your teeth, how well you brush your teeth, um, and how well you floss, et cetera, is more of the anti uh gum disease element that is relevant for, for people's oral health. But certainly, as, as we said before the call, 
there are countless studies now showing uh, an increased prevalence of all inflammatory diseases associated with patients who have active either gingivitis, which is the reversible stage of gum disease, where sort of your gums bleed when you brush them and that sort of thing, um, or the more chronic condition of periodontal disease or gum disease, where you actually start losing the bone support around the teeth. And that's how people tend to lose their teeth as they get older, because the, the bone shrinks away, the gum shrinks away, and, um, and that's how teeth are lost. But those diseases uh, are really, really quite detrimental to people's general body health. Um, diabetes and gum disease actually in both directions. So if you have uncontrolled diabetes, you're more likely to have gum disease. And if you have gum disease, you're more likely to have diabetes. So it's quite interesting. That is very interesting. And so with when we talk about things like flossing, for example, a lot of people who don't yet floss will experience a degree of bleeding when they begin to floss. Um, mm -hmm. That is what just gum sensitivity um, that they've got to kind of because they you can acclimatize to that pretty quickly for someone who starts flossing, right? Um, when how do they know the difference that there's actually a problem there? If your gums are bleeding, there's a problem. It's very unlikely that your flossing technique has led to the bleeding. The reason your gums are bleeding is because there's been bacteria left on the gum surface and there's an inflammatory process going on there. So akin to if you had a cut on your hand and you started poking at it, it would start bleeding. If you poke at a healthy skin tissue, it's not gonna start spontaneously bleeding. So your gums shouldn't bleed spontaneously with the impact of a toothbrush or floss. If that is happening, then you have either gingivitis or gum disease. So that is a bit of a barrier for people because if they don't floss, they're likely to have gingivitis. And when they start flossing, their gums are going to bleed. So they're going to stop because bleeding means stop in general. Yeah. Um, so um, they need to sort of get past that initial barrier of, oh, I'm doing something wrong. And, and that's where a dental hygienist comes in and, and seeing the hygienist regularly will alert you to areas of the mouth that you're missing and, and they'll allow you to have sort of a clean slate to start from. Yeah. Okay. And how often should people be flossing? Is that a twice a day thing like brushing your teeth or is flossing once a day? More the merrier, really. I think if I can get all my patients flossing once a day, then <laughs> I, I'd be thrilled because it's one of the least well uptaken um, procedures in the UK anyway. You, I mean, you, uh, when you go to the States and you have, I have American patients who come and see me, you can tell them a mile off and you, their, their mouths just look immaculate. And, it, and there is a bit of an odd attitude towards oral health in the UK versus other countries. Um, I don't quite know the reason for that, but I think it's really important for, as parents that we instill it, instill in our kids from an early age the requirement to, to get them to floss their teeth. And I, think, I, don't, I don't see any issue with when they have manual, manual dexterity to do so, to start them flossing even their baby teeth, just oh, to wow. get them in that routine. Not because I'm worried the kids are going to get gum disease, hmm. but it's, it's a routine-based thing. And if we're used to brushing our teeth and then at 18, we tell them, now you've got to start flossing, they're just not going to do it. Whereas if they already brush their teeth twice a day, then getting them to start flossing from an early age is a, is a really good habit builder, I think, more than anything. 
That's interesting because that's something I started with mine, well, my eldest when he turned teenage, but he has been doing it. But I think with flossing, the thing I found as well is there's only one type of floss. I think it's the glide, is it crest, that I find actually is super easy to use the way it is. It glides over and there isn't any kind of like pulling between the teeth and there aren't right. I think for a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think for a lot, of, even the ones that you have with the little like handles um, are quite difficult to use. I do feel as well that they are environmentally unfriendly because you are using a lot of plastic when you're flossing but that actually is the only one that i think is seemingly easy to use and and seems to work quite effectively you can kind of get around the teeth right because pe- teeth are three-dimensional and i think that's the thing a lot of people forget they sort of brush them as if they're two-dimensional um <laughs> yeah <It's> like this <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah absolutely. i mean I, I i always say to my patients no matter how well you're brushing your teeth you're still leaving the space in between the teeth completely unbrushed, which means that you're missing out probably 20% of the tooth every single time you brush your teeth. And that's the area where you're most likely to get dental decay or gum disease. So it is, flossing is vital. Um, the interdental brushes are also very useful for protecting against gum disease. Um, some of the water flossers that are coming out now are better than doing nothing, but they're not as good as the, the manual flossing. Unfortunately, as I say, we're working on a better sustainable option for the future but yeah it would be nice right now yeah it would be nice to have a sustainable option on um flossing and what are your thoughts on oil pulling this is really common (laughs) people that are into health and wellness uh they they pull oil like coconut oil for 10 minutes in the morning and and get rid of it what are your thoughts on that for eliminating toxins Uh, i don't have an issue with it i can crack on but just don't 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 replace the stuff that has been proven by evidence to work. Um, if you're telling me that you're oil pulling and you're not brushing your teeth, then I'm definitely not for that. If you're telling me that you're pulling oil at a separate time during the day to remove toxins, I, I, I don't, I haven't seen any evidence to support that position. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't work. Um, and I do know some dentists who do recommend it. Um, I don't do it personally. Um, but, uh, as I say, I mean, that's, that's really as much as I can say. I think with all of these things, I, I, I'm, I'm always one to look to history as to the way to look after ourselves moving forward. We've talked about this at length, me and you regarding diet and, and, and just the way that we live our lives and the, the, the modern way, not necessarily being the best way. Um, but at the same time, I'm a scientist and I need a lot of times pretty decent facts to make life-changing decisions. If you're oil pulling instead of brushing your teeth, that I would say is very risky. If you're doing it, if you want to do it, just don't do it within 20 to 30 minutes after brushing your teeth, because you'll take away, for example, if you're using a fluoride-based toothpaste, the fluoride may be removed in that process from the teeth. And it actually, there's a benefit the thrive being left on the teeth after you finish brushing them because it's still having a positive effect. It's one of the reasons why you should spit and don't rinse after you brush your teeth because the fluoride is water soluble. So it's taken away by you rinsing your mouth with water, which is something that a lot of us are not aware of. That takes a little bit of getting used to not washing toothpaste out of your mouth after brushing. Um, but it has been shown by evidence to be more effective if you do it that way. Okay, great. Great tips. Um, I'm all up for better living through science. I think it's kind of ancestral living coupled with science that gives you the ultimate uh, in health and longevity. Um, 
What about common problem for people and they don't necessarily link this to anything to do with dentistry and teeth is, or they may not automatically, is sleep apnea. Really common, um, often goes undiagnosed for a long period. Um, I remember having one client of mine and um, a few years back and when Whoop had just come out and literally put a Whoop strap on him and it was clear that he was literally just waking up, waking up, waking up about 30 times or more a night. Um this is a real health risk, isn't it? What's the linkage between that and um, oral health? Well, I think the key thing for everyone to understand is that the mouth is, is just the upper part of the GI tract. Um, and so what that gives us is a lot of insight into what's going on into the body. And dentistry, they say the mouth is the window to the, to the rest of the body. And there's lots and lots of risk factors for sleep apnea that I can see as a dentist straight away. Um, Things like uh, a big tongue taking up most of the mouth or a, a large um, uh, neck circumference, uh, an evidence of tooth grinding. Um, all of these things are really, really heavily linked together. So tooth grinding, sleep apnea, snoring. If someone grinds their teeth, I can almost guarantee you that they're going to snore. And if I send them off for a sleep test, they are 90% of the time probably going to have an element of sleep apnea as well. It's a really interesting um, linkage that is becoming more and more evident. And where this becomes really interesting is where um, in orthodontics, people start taking teeth out, which is quite common in UK orthodontics anyway. Um, many of our kids or even us as, as, as younger uh, adults ourselves have teeth taken out to straighten the teeth up. What that does is it actually constricts the arch form. So you're reducing the, the arch form um, dimensions and therefore reducing the, the breadth of the airway and, and therefore that can have impacts on um, on the patency of the airway and, and be linked with things like sleep apnea, which is quite interesting. Mm. So I think the key thing for me for sleep apnea is firstly by going to the dentist regularly, if the dentist is appropriately trained in sleep apnea, they will be able to um, hopefully pick up the major risk factors, um, which is really helpful because as you said at the start, this is an incredibly undiagnosed condition. I think uh, when I was doing my training on this, they said there's a billion people undiagnosed with sleep apnea, a billion, wow. um, which is just insane. Um, and as I said to you before the call, uh, sleep apnea increases your risk of, for example, heart attacks. I think it's by 25 times and smoking alone increases the risk by five times. So it has an incredibly negative impact on your heart and on your risk of developing other uh, inflammatory-based diseases because you're basically asphyxiating the body, as you say, 30 times. That your, 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 um, uh, your client there is, is probably stopping breathing 30 times a night. That, that, if you imagine when you are out of breath, holding your breath in a swimming pool, it's quite a stress-inducing situation. Oxygen stress is it's huge in that scenario. Um, and so it, it's really, really interesting. And, and there's many ways to treat sleep apnea. I'm not a sleep physician. Um, but as a dentist, I can prescribe um, some devices to help in these indications um, under the support of a sleep physician. So normally what we'll do as dentists is we'll, we'll identify the major risk factors. We'll send the patient off for a sleep study, which can now be done at home with some of the more modern technology, but sometimes it's done in a, in a sleep center overnight and the, and the patient sort of tracked overnight. Um, and then they have a, an analysis done uh, which indicates the severity of the sleep apnea condition that they have. And in mild to moderate cases, they can be prescribed something called a mandibular protrusion device, which is basically a mouth guard 
where the top and bottom jaws are connected and it brings the lower jaw forward, which opens up the upper airway uh, and reduces that, that restriction of the upper airway. And that's what's causing the snoring. It's the, it's the upper airway actually closing down. And just like a wind instrument, when you, when you narrow the space through which the, the wind is going, you're, you're increasing the noise that's coming out of it. So um, that's why if you put on more weight, um, you are more likely to snore and you're more likely to develop sleep apnea. So it's a vicious cycle where actually, as you put on more weight, you develop more sleep apnea. Uh, and then as you are getting yourself into an inflammatory condition and not, not uh, a lot of people really struggle with tiredness and energy levels, mm -hmm. you then don't want to exercise and the situation just gets worse and worse and worse. So these mandibular protrusion devices can actually be amazing as a real sort of circuit breaker alongside improving diet, improving exercise. And as I say, if, if, the, if the patient is at a very severe level, they may require what's called a CPAP, which is a assisted breathing device, which they need to stay alive because you can very much die from this condition. But from what you're saying with obesity, um, actually losing weight can go a long way to helping um, minimize certainly the effects of snoring because of that linkage with neck size. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people who have sleep apnea or even are snoring and not sleeping that well, um, they're also not only have they got these inflammatory conditions developing, but they're also not getting clearly, they're not falling into enough deep sleep, which is very protective of the body when it does all this deep repair and protects itself against things like Absolutely. cancer and all the autophagy. So it's, it's kind of really hitting them from every angle. And then they're so tired, as you say, that then the next day they're probably unwilling to exercise or find it difficult and actually um, you know, from the research I've seen, the dysregulation then between hunger and satiety hormones will kick in. So now they're finding that yeah. they've got more appetite, they don't feel full, and it's a it's a vicious yeah. circle, isn't it? I, I think I think if if these billion people with sleep apnea were treated, it would have a, an absolutely incredible impact on the obesity epidemic around the world, um, certainly in Western cultures, anyway. Um, mm. So it would be, as I say, if unfortunately, even in dentistry, this is not something that is taught at our, uh, in our entry level graduate training. This is postgraduate education that I've done on the topic. Um, but I, I would, I would love to see the, the topic taught at that graduate level, because if all dentists were looking out for this stuff and there was a clear referral pathway for them to be able to, to treat it, I think we would see a, a massive reduction in, um, a lot of the uh, obesity issues, which is just so linked with so many inflammatory disorders. I mean, even COVID, mm -hmm. loads of studies to show linkage between inflammatory status of the body and, and how you're going to react to a COVID infection. Yeah, really, really interesting, that link. And also with the heart attacks. Um, and I guess the other question I have is, you were talking there um, about the linkage as well between gum disease and diabetes. Um, is there is there a known thread? Is there a reason for that? Um, how does that interplay with like dysregulation of blood sugar, or is it just something that's been observed as as correlative? Um, now you're asking. I think I think it's I think it's C-reactive protein. I think it's something to do with with that. Um, I don't know exactly the physiology of how that impacts on on uh, on glucose levels um, and how the body processes that, but. Um, my understanding, as I say, from a relatively basic level, is just that it's it's a chronic inflammatory condition in a similar way to diabetes and, and many other diseases in the body are. Um, and by by improving your oral health, you can very much improve your health status in general and your risk status for other diseases of the body. Yeah. 
And what about how often should people be checking in with their dentist? Because when I was growing up, it was always every six months. And I think there's been pushback in recent years that actually you don't need to see your dentist as often. Um, there is obviously as well additional things that a dentist will pick up, like mouth cancer, for example, that the patient themselves may not have observed. Um, what are your thoughts around dent, you know, seeing your dentist as part of preventative medicine um, on that? Well, I think I think the beauty of uh, this was most clearly uh, vindicated for me through the COVID pandemic in that the uh, primary care referrals over that short amount of time that dentists were um, were closed, which was for most dentists around, well, three months completely shut and then about another three months of sort of partial opening. So about six months in general. But even in that short amount of time, there was a 75% reduction in the amount of referrals from primary care, i.e. dental practices, for mouth cancer. Uh, now, there wasn't a 75% reduction in mouth cancer during that time, unfortunately. That would be brilliant. But there was a 75% reduction in referrals for mouth cancer into the specialist centers in hospital. And that just goes to show how important it is for a, for a specialist to, to give you a checkup. It's not just about gum disease. It's not just about dental decay, both of which are very important, as we've already mentioned, for systemic health. Um, but it's also about um, key things like mouth cancer. And, and as I say, looking at the mouth as a part of, as a window into the body. Um, and by catching these things early, mouth cancer, especially the success rate and the survival rate for mouth cancer when caught at a very early stage, which is something that we are very heavily trained on at a graduate level to pick up, um, is astronomically better than if it's left to um, present at a later date. And the problem with dental diseases specifically is that the large majority of them don't necessarily present with symptoms that the patient will be aware of. So people come to me and they say, I haven't been dentist for 10 years, haven't had any problems, so why would I come? And then you look in the mouth and they need half their teeth removing and they've got rampant gum disease and heaven forbid they have mouth cancer or something like that. So um, that regular checkup for me is very, very important. Seeing the hygienist every six months is also something that I think is very, very important. It's certainly something that I do as part of my own health strategy. I'm a dentist. I'm pretty good at cleaning my teeth. I know, I know my way around the mouth. Um, but um, I still have benefit from seeing the hygienist because I will also miss areas in the mouth. Um, and I know that by keeping my gums in the optimum condition, I'm keeping that area of my, my body super healthy, uh, which is hopefully going to keep the rest of my body super healthy as well. So seeing a dentist and the hygienist every six months is still something that I recommend for my patients. Um, it's still something that I do as a, as a patient myself. And um, I think the problem with, with anything, if you fall out of routine, is that um, you, it's difficult to, to, to pick it back up again. So I think seeing the dentist and the, and the hygienist every six months is non-harmful, but has ma maximum upside. Yeah, maximum outside. And what are the kind of risk factors for things like mouth cancer? Are there specific? Do we know why some people go on to develop it? Are there risk factors that you've seen in the research or you've identified in patients that have it? Uh, mainly smoking and drinking, as, as you would expect. Um, some linkage with HPV virus, okay. uh, human, human papillomavirus, uh, which can come through oral sex and that sort of stuff. 
Um, but prim primarily, the, the major risk factors are the major risk factor is smoking. That's the, the real red flag for me. Um, but a high alcohol intake as well will also be linked with it. Okay. I've seen as well, like I think for smokers, when and, and this happens less often now, right? Less people are smoking, but that actually eating, which sounds crazy that people do this, but some people do, eating while smoking and stimulating those digestive juices seems to increase your risk of oral cancer. Um, I, don't, I can't remember where I read that. It was some time ago. Yeah. And you do see, don't you? Certainly overseas, you'll see people sitting there smoking and eating at the same time, which, um, yeah, for a non-smoker, just seems quite incredible, really. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Other things doesn't... like betel nut chewing and 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 holding tobacco actually in the in the buccal sulcus, which which some people do little sort of sacks of tobacco, they just pop in the uh, in the sulcus there and allow the um, allow it to be absorbed through the mucosa. And um, those are also very very harmful to the to the mouth lining. And what about, um, lastly, before you go, what about chewing gum? I mean, it's not something I'm a huge fan of because of the artificial sweeteners, but then, but again, with marketing, marketers will have us believe that actually that is cleaning your teeth in between. Is there any evidence that by chewing gum, you are actually cleaning teeth at all? As a general rule, I would say all dental advertising is very dubious, <laughs> especially, <laughs> like especially mouthwash. <laughs> especially mouthwash when I always see the guys the little men in the mouth sort of hosing the teeth down and they, they say it's going to treat your gum disease and so on and so forth um, uh, yes with chewing gum uh, increased saliva rate associated with chewing gum will help uh, buffer acid in the mouth which can lead to dental decay okay. so it reduces the, uh, the acidic level in the mouth so saliva in general is there to protect our teeth the more saliva you have, the better. If you have a dry mouth, um, then like, like a, a condition that generates dry mouth, like Trogan's syndrome, or there's, there's many conditions and medications that lead to a dry mouth, that will increase your risk of developing decay. So chewing gum, again, like anything, it's part of the armamentarium. It's not something that you can use to replace brushing your teeth, um, but it will uh, increase the saliva flow, which will have a, a net benefit on the... Um, uh, the prevention of decay. Key thing with chewing gum to make you aware, not only just the artificial sweetness that are included in them, 99% uh, of chewing gums are plastic. And I don't think wow. people realize that. Wow, okay. Um, plastic. I was, I, I was shocked That's as well. That's quite shocking. You're chewing plastic. Yeah. So, um, oh goodness. It's, a, it's an interesting one. But um, there are, thankfully, there are, there are new brands coming out now which are plant based and um, and much more eco-friendly. So, um, but yeah, chewing gum, that was quite a shocking one for me. Yeah, that is shocking. Thanks for sharing that. Um, it's interesting when you talk about like the saliva and the importance of that, because nasal breathing is also important, isn't it? Insofar as um, actually people who are mouth breathers are more likely to have bad breath as well. Um, I've seen some, some research around that. Is that because the bacteria that's building up in the mouth is different um, or... What do you see as a reason, sort of, for that? Because I know that it's again, it's, 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 it's a drying, it's a drying, the drying effect, effect. And, and, and a reduction of movement of saliva across the mouth. Saliva's got so much benefit in it from a protein point of view and, and a protective point of view to to keep the mouth a healthy environment. Even the the mucosa of the gum gets quite inflamed in a mouth breather, um, where it doesn't have that sort of lubrication of the saliva running over it. 
Okay, so good hydration is also important then for that, um, drinking plenty of water. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, good hydration is good for most things, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's actually, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the actual constituents of the saliva that's also very beneficial for the health of the mouth. Okay, interesting. Um, amazing. Well, I, um, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Parlour? I think from the last time we spoke, it is now available in supermarkets as well, is it? Or will soon be? Uh, as, of, as of next month, it will be available in um, Sainsbury's across the country. Um, and we're also available in Boots online. Um, and also from our website, which is parlourtoothpastehabs.com. Uh, and on Amazon um, and a few other uh, online retailers. So, yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're making the change. Um, as I say, it's something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, I'm a, a big fan of, of well, I'm, I'm never happier than when I'm on the ocean or in the ocean or by the ocean. So I'm very, very keen on protecting the ocean for the next generation. And if we can reduce the, the plastic impact of, of billions of toothpaste tubes and toothbrushes and, and floss going into the ocean, then um, that's for me the sort of one small change that we can make, all of us can make really easily to, to reduce our impact on the world. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show um, today, Simon. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I will link to everything we've talked about in the show notes over on my website. And also, where can people find you? I know you're pretty active on Instagram and regularly share photos of the transformations that you do for your patients. Um, do you want to link to your website as well and also your Instagram? Yeah, sure. My handle is just uh, at Dr. Simon Chard. Uh, and my website is just drsimonchard.com. Brilliant. Amazing. Thanks again, Simon. It's been a pleasure. No worries. So if you'd like to be part of Simon's mission to create one small change and start using a sustainable toothpaste that is free from sulfates and parabens and is plastic free and delivers you the exact amount of dose that you need to keep your teeth clean and healthy, then you can head over to parlortoothpastetabs.com and enter code HPH10 to get 10% off your order. That's parlortoothpastetabs.com and enter code HPH10 to get a cool 10% off your order. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. As always, all of the show notes will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com, together with a transcript that you can download or even listen alongside the transcript playing. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you can leave us a positive review, we would be super grateful. It helps us more than you know in terms of getting the message out there. And I'll see you for another great podcast next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.